Hey there, I'm Stephanie Milfeld, and this is my podcast. That's so crazy to say. I'm new to this, so please bear with me as I figure out all the sound and mics and technical stuff. I wholeheartedly believe that when we share our stories, it helps others to have the courage to tell theirs, which is why I've invited some fabulous women who might also be friends of mine right here to share their stories with you. You're always welcome to join us as we chat about everything from family, kids, and partners to girlfriends, food, and fun. You'll probably pee in your mom jeans a little, but we won't judge. So come sit with us. Today's guest is one of my newest friends, Danielle Westerland. Danielle and I met through the PTO at our kids' school. I know, I know, we're those moms, but don't get any preconceived notions. We're totally fun. So grab your latte and come sit with us. So today I'm here with my friend Danielle. So Danielle, I bet when we met, this is probably the last thing you thought that we would be doing. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Danielle's son Lane um, and my oldest daughter Zoe started kindergarten this year um, during the pandemic, which was a great introduction to the big school, I guess. (laughs) And um, so there was no meet the teacher, there's no field trips, um, no Valentines, but We've been holding it down on the PTO and yes. trying to um, make the best of it. So um, I'm so excited that you've come to join me today to share your story. So I want to backtrack pretty far and uh, tell me where you're from, where you grew up. I grew up in Cambridge, Illinois. I was actually born in Kissimmee, um, but I did not um, grow up here. I grew up in Illinois and lived there until five years ago when we moved here to St. Cloud. Do you have any siblings or? I am an only child. The one and only. (laughs) That explains it. (laughs) I'm an only child. Um, And so are you like really close with your mom and dad? Very close. My dad passed away when I was 10. Um, So it's just been my mom and I and she raised me and we're very close. So she also lives here. Do you guys have family in Illinois? Is that why you guys went up there after? Yes, my parents grew up there also moved down here um, in their early 20s, started working um, and then decided to move back. And I grew up up there. So I was born in Kissimmee too. So, <laughs> because there's no hospital in St. Clouds, so. right? <laughs> or there is a hospital, but no, no uh, OB unit there. So, um, so where did you meet your husband? We met through mutual friends in the small town of Cambridge. Um, the town I grew up in had 2,100 people, so it was very small. Um, you know everybody if you don't <laughs> if you don't know them, they're new or just visiting. But um, we met through mutual friends. Um, there is an age difference between us six and a half years. Um, so we were kind of at different areas, you know, of our life. He was in the bar scene, you know, mid, mid twenties. And I was, you know, just kind of out of high school and stuff when we met. So. And so how long were you guys together before you got married? Two and a half, three years. Yes. Three years before we got married. We met in 2008 and we were married in 2011. And you guys still lived in a small town. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
So did you guys ever like discuss having children or anything? I think we all, we, we always wanted children. Um, I've had endometriosis, the disease that I have since I was a teenager. So I was aware of that. I don't think I was a hundred percent aware, you know, that it would be hard for us. You know, so to explain. So if someone doesn't really know what endometriosis is, when, when did you find out about that? Um, when I was a teenager, I really struggled with um, monthly periods and noticed how um, painful they were and thought, you know, something's not right. Um, I always knew my mom had it, but my mom never really explained how much, you know, pain it was. And um, after I had my first surgery, we realized that I was stage five, like as bad as you can get with it. Um, I have so much scar tissue. Basically, what happens is when you have your monthly menstrual cycle, your endometrial lining sheds. And when that sheds, um, that causes scar tissue and stuff makes it difficult to get pregnant. So, so when people say like, oh, painful, like cramps, like, no, like this no. is <laughs> like debilitating. I mean, screaming, take you to the hospital. Um, it also comes in cysts, you know, you develop a lot of painful cysts with them and stuff. So it's just a as a teenager, cycle. I imagine you're probably like, what the heck? Yeah. It was, like, <laughs> it was awful, you know, and you wondered, oh, this just must be, you know, how it is. So. so, so you were aware that you obviously have endometriosis and when did it become like a realization that having kids was going to be extremely difficult or not going to be able to happen. Right. I think after the first year, um, you pretty much have to try to conceive for a year before they'll even look at you, you know, and going to talk to the doctor. Um, I think it came real. We did two rounds of artificial insemination was kind of the cheaper start. Um, after we were done with that, my um, fertility specialist decided to do surgery. That's when he discovered like it was pretty bad. He gave me like a 2% chance of ever conceiving. Um, so I think that was kind of hard. That was like the, we're not, you know, going to be able to do it alone. It took a lot to um, decide to do in vitro when we decided. Um, it was a lot. We had to pay out of pocket. So, you know, we not did cheap. once. It was not cheap. It was really hard. Um, between work, I worked full-time. My husband worked full-time. And we decided to do in vitro. We were so lucky. Um, we had so many family and friends, you know, to help us. Talk and, about um, the, what happens during that process. So... In that process, um, you give yourself shots for like, I think it's like 24 days. I'm trying to remember back, it's been a while. Um, it's like 24 to 25 days, you know, before your cycle. Um, trigger shots and, you know, all different medications. I mean, I have pictures of, you know, all of them. <laughs> you know, it was like we did it in a Coles parking lot once, <laughs> you know, and it was like I felt like we were at a concert and I had to go to the bathroom because it was certain times and, you know, and I had to, I felt like a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> shoot myself up in the bathroom. Um, but it was, you know, it, we just did it. And, you know, it was um, trips to Peoria where we lived. Peoria was an hour and 15 minutes. So it was kind of, it was a lot, you know, to take the day off or my, you know, day off on Mondays, I would have to go, you know, drive to Peoria and see my doctor and stuff. So it was a lot of doctor's appointments. So during that entire time from when you first started trying to get pregnant without anything else through IVF, never once was there a positive test. Never, never once. Nope. I've probably took, I'm hundreds. I mean, I would, I would buy them anything, you know, sometimes I think when women get into, you're so stuck into infertility and you know, you want it so bad that you'll make up 
Yeah, you're looking at the line. It's really fake. You'll make right? yes, you like, will make it up. I mean, I you know, and I, I thought I was crazy, and you know, but now looking back, it's like you know, I did. I really thought like certain times, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know, I have a heightened sense of smell. Like your pregnancy symptoms that you thought were, you thought they were real. It was it was a lot. So, and so so now you've been married for how long? Going through that, I we've guess. been married since 2011. Well, when um, you, okay, so you tried for a year, then mm-hmm. you did artificial insemination, then you did IVF. So how long were you married at that point? At that point, let's see if we were 2000, it was probably 13, I want to say 13, 14 was probably, so it had been three or four years at that point when of we decided. Constant trying. Constant trying. Yep. Month after month. Doing was everything. It, how did that affect your relationship? Um, it wasn't, we did pretty well. I mean, my husband and I did pretty well with it. I, I would do anything. If I read anything, um, I went, I did feng shui. I bought, I mean, I did anything that, you know, could try did acupuncture, um, anything, uh, chiropractic, you know, that they said that I could, um, I mean, it was okay. I mean, we had our times, you know, I really think, Though IVF was kind of probably the hardest, and then that not working was was really hard. That was like okay, now mm-hmm. it was like now what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how did adoption come up? After we did in vitro, um, when you do the egg retrieval process, we found out at that time that I had grade C eggs. So eggs are graded A, B, C, D. That my eggs weren't great anyway for at that time, I was a 25, 26 year old woman, you know, no health issues other than, you know, my fairly young, fairly young, no, you know, really no health issues, um, decided that he said, you know, I don't think you can get pregnant without in vitro. Um, Since my eggs weren't great, we really only had one or two viable embryos that they were able to keep. Um, So after that, it was so expensive. We just said, you know, there's no way we could do it again. You know, insurance doesn't pay for it. And we said, at least if we were to do adoption, you do not have that financial strain until you have a baby, you know, until you bring that baby home. You know, it's not... A guessing game where we've thrown all this money, you know, and even though we both had great jobs, we're young kids, you know, we're yeah. early twenties, you know, it's like we have a home, we have cars, we have, you know, it was a lot. So yeah, a friend of ours, they live um, in Canada, and they were able to get it paid for the first time around That's when they amazing. went to, which is which is crazy because give us a roundabout number of how much in vitro. Cost out of pocket. Cost out of pocket, about 25000 for one round. By the time you add up all the medications, those, um, there was a pharmacy that luckily the doctor gave me that offered discounts. But still, I think when I just even bought medications and syringes and all of that, you know, that was a couple of thousand. And then once you had everything, it was about twenty five altogether. And that's before even being able to get like pregnant. So that's just the process to get pregnant. To get, yes. Yeah, that was just, <laughs> Not yeah, that was just that. Pregnancy and birth and no, all of that. None cost. of that. Um, okay, so so then you got to um, learn more about adoption. Yes, and you know financially it was more feasible. So, what was the process like 
to start adoption? The first thing we did, I got online, um, looked up different agencies. There's many agencies. Um, one I was looking at was in California. Um, so many around some local ones in the Quad City area, which is um, where we were from. And luckily, I had gotten in touch with a friend that I have known in the past. Her mother's friend actually worked for a private lawyer who did adoptions. She knew what we were going through. She contacted me. Um, at that time, we kind of decided we didn't, you know, it was okay with us to do international. We didn't really have a preference, mm -hmm. um, but it was it was much more expensive that way. So once I started looking and doing research, when you do some of these large agencies, you may get a baby quicker. Um, you have, you know, all the states travel can be in, you know, mm -hmm. um, an expense in that. But as well, you know, it's around 30000 to do that. Um, so that was, again, you to know. With a bigger agency to go with a faster. bigger agency generally it's not always the case mm -hmm. generally you can get a baby faster um and I was like you know there we go again you know thirty thousand dollars it's like that's a car you know you're just <laughs> yeah. you know you're beside yourself and um at that point when our friend um, Ashley she had told me about her mother's friend that worked for the lawyer I contacted her and um, they were a private agency she was basically a family lawyer who worked with adoptions. Um, she worked with birth mothers as well as um, families and stuff, you know, um, people who are going through divorces that are doing um, stuff like that. So she was a family lawyer and um, we went and made a meeting and we went and talked to her. And that was, you know, the first step to, okay, what, what is all of it? You know, how does it work? So what made you the most nervous after first discussing with her adoption? Um, I, I did toy with foster. Um, I think foster parents are amazing because I was terrified to have a baby in my home, you know, and then somebody to take it because when we first met with our, um, social worker, she explained, you know, fostering a child, you know, that can be paid for when you're, you know, fostering a child to adopt and it's not going to cost you, but the goal is to get that child back with their birth mother. Mm -hmm. And I knew mentally I, I couldn't do it. I, you know, it's for yeah. some people and I knew I couldn't. Um, our social worker was amazing. She was very, you know, kind. She explained the entire process before you even adopt. The first thing you have to do is get a home study before an adoption. Um, and the lawyer told me this before they can even look at you. You're basically being approved. Um, a social worker comes into your home. They ask you, I mean, loads and loads of paperwork of questions. Um, they need to know all of your past. Um, we had to get fingerprints, which was very interesting because I had never gotten much less than a speeding ticket really in my life. Um, your fingerprints done, they know everything about you. I mean, it's, it's extreme. You know, they want to know where every ounce of your money goes, how much you make. It's, it's a lot, you know, just to get that. Okay. And, you know, and there you go again, you know, $1,500 is the home study charge just to, to you see know, if you'll get approved. to see if you'll get approved to even go further so that was the first step for that. Did your husband ever have any like worries about anything going into it? I think he had more worry than I did. I think I was so, I was, you know, focused on the end goal of wanting to be a mom that I didn't care. You know, I didn't care about <laughs> anything, but I think he was more, you know, reserved. I think he was really nervous until you really get into it, you know, and decide, you know, how... That you're did he ever all in. Express any of that to you, or did he just um, kind of like roll with it? I think he rolled with it. For me, you know, I think he realized how bad I wanted it. I mean, there was a lot of 
a lot of tears, you know, every time everything failed and I, I blame myself, you know, cause it was me. It was all me. So it, I felt bad. I still do, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's years later. I mean, I still, you know, it was, it's all me. So, well, and I think that we just tend to, to put the blame on ourselves, even though it's completely out, out of, of your control. control, Yeah, you know, that's just something that women in general tend to do is like, this is yes. all. I'm a woman. My job is to, you know, bear a child and be a mother. Why can I not do it? You know, why why is everybody else? I do it when Joe Schmo over here can do it so easily. Oh, yes. Yes. And And it was very hard for me um, throughout those years. Not that I was not so happy for my friends. Um, baby showers, all that was hard because I, you know, I, no matter right what I felt, it. I'm right in the middle. You couldn't escape it. All of your friends are getting married. All your friends are having babies. You know, you're so happy, but it was, you know, it was really hard. Did anyone ever ask you that didn't know you as well? Like, when are you guys having babies or? Um, I think, I think cause we did live in such a small town, you know, you, everybody knows your business. Um, so I think we didn't have it as much. Um, we were very fortunate. Um, some best friends of ours, you know, also could not have children, which was a blessing in disguise. It wasn't right for both of us, but I think we both had each other to yeah. go off of, you know, because it was like we had each other to talk about those things when other, you know, so people when it was more understanding of yes what of the situation through. because family members, it's not like they didn't understand, but if you don't go through it, I I think it's hard because you really don't, you know. Yeah, they don't. They don't understand. Understand. The, the guilt maybe that yes. you felt or yes. know, the disappointment over, you know, they're just like, well, it'll happen or, you know, just. Oh, everybody said that. And that was the worst thing. I will never, ever say that to a person because that's what everybody said. It will happen. Give it time. It, you know, and it's like, like actually, no, it's not. It's not, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> so, so now you are in the adoption process and you started you got approved. Yes. Now. Yep. How did that work? So once we got approved, um, we decided we were going to go with this private lawyer. We really liked her. She was based out of Iowa. Um, where we lived in Illinois was only 20 minutes from Iowa. So it really wasn't, you know, a big deal. Um, the next thing you have to do is you have to make a scrapbook. Basically, they call it a portfolio, and it's about your whole life. So when birth mothers come in to the lawyer and um, or hear about her, they say, you know, I am pregnant um, or, you know, I want to give my baby up for adoption. And that's what the lawyer gives to them. She gives all of the um, portfolios and they look through them. I mean, we had pictures of our home, pictures of our pets, um, everything. That is, it's basically, you know, looking into your life. Like, why do I deserve to give my child to you? You know, or why do you deserve to get have my child and raise my child as your own and, um, so it must be like a lot of pressure to be like, what do I put in this book? To it's make? a lot. You're selling yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're, selling you yourself. are, you're trying to sell yourself that, you know, we're, you know, good people. We have a, you know, home, we have a nice home, you know, we can give the child, you know, a great life. And this is where we live. Um, you know, pictures of our house, our family members, um, at that time we enjoyed vac- vacationing to Florida. Um, so we showed, you know, different things. We like to vacation a lot. Not that picture this picture. <laughs> yes. It was like, you know, the good, you know, here. Here's our dogs, our two dogs we had at the time and, um, everything, you know, for that, for the birth mother to see so that, you know, and then you wait once you, you give that to her, you wait for a birth mother to, to be contacted. So how long did you guys wait? We were very lucky. Um, we did not wait. It was a few months that we had waited from the 
beginning to the end. Now the process, um, we had an adoption failure and I'll tell you about that in a little bit, but we had from the beginning to end was it only about like a year and a half, which is unheard of. Well, especially I guess saying this, it's just small agency, you know, I guess getting more birth mothers to come across to that small agency is probably not as it's easy. not as and we knew that going in I think you know with with our birth mother there was other costs you know other um lawyer fees um guardian ad litem different things when you go through it but the adoption placement was ten thousand um and so that plus a little it was still way cheaper than going with a larger adoption it was local um and I think we felt like you know we're gonna just have to go as you know and try to do it because we already had a medical loan from our in vitro you know and stuff yeah. so we decided to to go with that we would just rather wait longer so we were very lucky it was a few months with our first call so if someone is looking into adoption are i mean ten thousand dollars is a lot of money mm-hmm. so like you said you were able to get a medical loan for ivf right are people able to get adoption loans or? there's not really anything um we were very lucky um we had a gofundme and our family and friends um, helped, you know, with that, we really, we, they, we were able to raise a lot to pretty much pay for that placement. Um, everything else was spread out. It didn't seem, um, as much mm-hmm. so that we just paid as we went. Um, but it was a lot because we were already paying, you know, what it was like $275 a month for, you know, so that was already was like, and that was basically we we're paying it. And for the in vitro that didn't work. Yeah, so now you're, it's just frustrating that you're paying for So it was thing. frustrating. We were paying for it with nothing. We had no baby, you know, and so, um, yeah, we were really lucky that, you know, people helped and so many of our family and friends donated to us and, and helped us, so. So you got the call. Yes, we got the call. So we got the call from um, our lawyer that there was a birth mother interested in us. Um, she wasn't even interested in meeting us. The thing with adoptions, um, privately and, and not, you know, that they're all different, you know, it's whatever the birth mother feels comfortable with. Um, also a lot of things people do not know when you go into adoption, there are other fees that you are, um, susceptible to pay. If the birth mother needs, um, toiletries, if she needs, um, appointment money, you know, you are responsible for that, um, rent sometimes. We were lucky that we paid for birth mothers, um, chiropractor appointments, um, some weekly chiropractor, um, trip to Target, you know, for some toiletries and things she needed. Um, that was about all that we were asked for. But from you never her. met her. Never met her. Um, the first adoption, the first birth mother was um, about five, six months along when we met her. Um, we actually got a um, sonogram pictures of the baby. It was a boy. So at that time, my husband and I decided it was okay to announce, like, because she was halfway through, she had chose us. We had a close friend of ours who actually was a photographer. We did our own maternity pictures, like adoption maternity. So we did um, those pictures. And so kind of that was our big announcement to everyone, you know, and stuff. So everybody was really excited for us. So at this point, you're like... Now it's just waiting. Yep. We, that was the go for us that we had waited for so long that my mom and I, we went shopping, we went crazy. I mean, we bought everything, you know, and it well, was like. now it's been how many years? At that point it had been four, probably about four years. Yeah. So now you're. Yes. And it, you know, it was like, we were so right. Re- Cause I think, you know, at that time too, you, 
you feel bad. You can't buy stuff because it's not, you know, I think we felt like this is really happening. Like this is our baby. You know, we have the sonogram. We know it's a boy. So we went and had, you know, we bought everything. We shopped every Saturday. I mean, it was like, it was every week. My mom and I went shopping and bought, you know, and so I had, did you have like a baby shower or anything? I didn't, I didn't. And I think that was kind of my fault, you know, because I think, we bought stuff and, you know, I don't know if everybody just didn't know how to do that, you know, for mm-hmm. me. I didn't have a shower, so. But it was okay because, I mean, my mom and I went. <laughs> we went crazy. I mean, we bought everything. And so. so so now she's, so she's over halfway. You announce it. She's full term. Mm-hmm. You guys are basically just waiting. She's almost, she is almost full to term. The baby was due in January. Um or was that end of, yes, it was around the beginning of January that the baby was due. Um, we were two weeks till the baby's due date and it was Christmas, um, right before Christmas. And we got a call from our lawyer that she did not want to adopt anymore, or she did not want to give the baby up for adoption. Um, she had explained to the lawyer that the birth father, um, had come back in the picture. She decided she wanted to keep the baby and we were devastated. It was, it was awful. I would be furious. Yeah, it was awful. And um, at that time we decided we were done. We were done. So um, we were like, I can't do it anymore. You know? This is right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. And I said, I can't, you know, I just can't. And so um, that was, we had named him. (laughs) He was a boy. So I couldn't do it anymore. And so that's when we decided to move to Florida. So I said, you know what? (laughs) It's just the two of us. My husband and I were like, let's have fun. I love Florida. You know, I'm done with snow. (laughs) I'm done. You know, so I was like, let's move. So we decided, and our our lawyer felt terrible. I mean, it wasn't her fault, you know. Yeah, I mean, she felt that's probably a risk that lots of people are scared of. Yeah going into she felt terrible and um so she said you know and she was like you know it's not don't give up you know and stuff and you know we'll go back to the but at that point um when that happened we had the baby's name up on um, the wall everything you know in the nursery and I just shut the door I was done you know we had remodeled it you know we lived in an older farmhouse so you know we put new carpet um you know, painted, obviously decorated the nursery. We just closed the door. I was, cause at that point, two weeks before the due date, the diaper bag was packed, everything. The car seat was ready. You know, we were ready. It's just painful to just walk by there. Just yes, to, even know to walk by it. The door. Yep. I just shut you the door. There. I didn't go in there. Um, at that point, and that was, that was hard. So we decided, we were like, we're moving to Florida. You know, if it's just going to be the two of us, then we're going to have fun. You know, we'll move to Florida. We'll, you know, go to the beach, you know, do whatever. <laughs> like, we don't even care. Um, and so at that time, my husband had started looking for work. Um, he, at the time, worked for Kenworth. It was a large... Um, working on semis and stuff as a mechanic. And so, you know, he could look at different places down here, you know, that he could work. His job could go anywhere. Um, I owned a salon at the time with a girlfriend and I was full-time hairdresser. And, um, so, but I just decided, well, you know, I'll, I can do hair anywhere, you know, as much as I loved the girls and I loved being there, I wanted to leave the life that, we had, you know, we had great friends and yeah. family, but Let's I was done. I was done. I just couldn't anymore. So yeah, I mean, it's totally. I couldn't. Yeah. And so, but you have Lane. But we have Lane. So how? <laughs> so first adoption failed. We said, you know, we were done. We never really 
I think really we didn't talk to our birth mother or not the birth mother, the lawyer, you know, for a while. I mean, I think she was trying to give us our space. And well, it's as, not her fault, but you're kind of pissed at her. You're kind of, yeah, because like I know. Process. And I think, you know, finding out too that that it happens, you know, thank goodness we didn't get that baby home and, you know, then go through it because I would have been even more of a mess. Um, that could happen. It can happen. So once we had decided we were moving, um, I have family here, so I was lucky that they um, allowed us to stay with them when we were going to move down here for a little bit. We hadn't put the house for sale yet. We did start packing up the house, though, and um, my husband accepted a job down here, and this was now mm, the middle of May. Um, so we had went, that was January, we had went you know, to May and, um, we decided that actually we had met Lane. Lane was born at the end of May. Um, he was in the NICU. He was very tiny. He was three pounds. Actually his birth mother decided to choose us as well. We got a call from our lawyer. We went and seen him, but that's all it kind of went about. She decided to pick us. We met his birth mother. She um, after he was already born, after he was already born, him. she did pick us. So that was kind of a whirlwind in the mix. Um, we went. We did meet him. A couple days later, though, she decided she wanted to parent. So we kind of was like, okay, that's you know, yeah. that's a no. So we just let it all behind us. So at the time, fast forward to May. Um, Lane, had, you know, we didn't know. You know, he had been born um, in the NICU for three months. Our lawyer called us. It was a Wednesday. I was off work. Um, I was at home doing laundry, whatever, you know, I did on Wednesday. She said, um, the birth mother um, you had met before that had the baby, he was in the NICU for three months. She brought him home. She said she cannot do it. She still wants you guys now to adopt the baby if you want to. And I was beside my, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I need to call my husband. I was like, you know, I mean, I really, I want. Well, because now you guys are. We're moving 1,200 miles away. I said, told her we're moving to Florida. Um, I said, I don't know what to do. Um, I called my husband frantic. I was pacing. I said, what do we do? She said, you know, she now wants to give him up for adoption. We're moving to Florida. I said, I don't know what to do. He already accepted the job like a week prior. And so she said, um, we will go ahead and you can go ahead and adopt um, you know, go ahead with the placement and still move. And I said, if we can, we want him. You know, I said, but at this point, we've been hurt so much, we're not changing. We're not changing our plans. We're really not. You know, I said, just because I think we were sober and then nervous about it. I said, I, we're not changing our plans. So she um, said, no, that's fine. You can. And I called him and she said, the birth mother wants you to pick him up at noon tomorrow. And I was crazy you know I was like we knew he was a preemie he was three pounds when he was born he had been in the NICU this whole time from the end of January he was born January 21st um from the end of January all up until May she had brought him home only for a couple weeks and she lived um in a homeless shelter and it was it was hard for her she said I can't you know I can't do it he was very colicky he cried all night long I'll say he was very cr- and colicky and she was alone and she was alone um she did have two other little children mm in the home and you know in there I'm not we never saw you know the living conditions we did go there to get him the next day um but it was it was very different you know to see that and everything and I told him so I opened that room and I literally 
You still had all the stuff. I had all the stuff. He was a boy. The first adoption was a boy. We had everything, but I had to redo the diaper bag. He was a preemie. I called my mom, you know, cry at work. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. You know, she's bawling. What do I need to do? I said, he's tiny. I need preemie clothes. We went and bought, you know, that night we went because I was like, I don't even know what to buy. You know, at that point he was three and a half, almost four months old. He was nine pounds. So he was the size of a newborn. Yeah. You know, he was still tiny. But it's such so. a whirlwind of emotions for you. And I didn't and- know. Yes, it was a lot. It was like, I don't know what to you know, what to do and stuff. So, um, we did, my mom and I went out, of course we bought more stuff, you know, went and bought (laughs) just a couple of preemie outfits because I didn't know what to expect. Um, once we, that next day, you know, of course I had called the girls at the salon. I'm like, you got to cancel my week. You know, we're going to get a baby, you know, like we're picking them up, um, and everything. And at that time there was a lot of things we weren't aware of, um, because he was born in Iowa being across state lines, there's rules, um, they call interstate compact laws that are rules that you can't, we couldn't just bring him home, you know? So we had to make plans for that as well. And that, you know, was, so do you have his medical history from his, like, biological parents? We, um, a little bit. Um, the birth mother, um, she was assaulted. Um, this is what she told us, you know, with it, you know, a lot of things, you know, emotionally they're going through as well, you know, that, um, that we really don't know anything about birth father. She put down kind of the different things she had, but no, we really, we really don't. I mean, we got what she told us. Um, and that's as far as, as far as we pretty much know, even ethnicity, we still don't know what his birth father, 100% what, what his ethnicity was. You do one of those like, uh, DNA thing? Well, we have it. Um, I don't feel comfortable with him as young as he is yet doing it. Um, I could go and pay more to go to the doctors and find it. I said, you know, we will eventually, you know, find what, you know, his actual heritage is. So does Lane know that he's adopted? Not yet. He doesn't. He just turned six in January. Um, I just started talking about with like my husband and family about, you know, I want I want to tell him, I want to be honest with him, um, when he's older and if he wants to find his birth mother, I want to help him. You know, he deserves to meet her. You know, she, we're so thankful for the choice she made, you know, cause she gave us him. Um, but just being so young, I don't want confusion, you know, yeah. and, and we're talking about, you know, I need to buy some books. It's that time probably soon being in school. I don't want him to find out from somebody else, you know, that I don't want somebody at school to say something, you know, he, I mean, you know, he kind of, you know, resembles us in certain ways and, and things, you know, he doesn't know any different, you know, my family and everyone loves him so much, you know, that I don't think he needs to know yet. Yeah. He doesn't need to know quite yet, you know, so maybe when he's older to completely understand, I don't want to scare him. You know, I'm like, I don't know if I'm more worried about myself or him. I'm not sure, you know, both, but. How does Lance feel about having that conversation with him? Yeah. I mean, we really haven't talked about it much yet. You know, I think we said kind of when the time is right, I think he agrees, you know, that, that we should probably do that. So. And so obviously it's, a closed adoption like she's never yes that was something um when you're going through the process that's something that you talk about um with your 
lawyer and the birth mother because you never necessarily, you don't have conversations with the birth mother. Your conversations are with your lawyer both and she's the middleman. So she was the one that, you know, and we weren't comfortable. Some people are, we just weren't comfortable with a hundred percent open. Um, that is very common these days. We wanted, we had no problem sending photos, updated pictures and different things, but we wanted him as a small, you know, as a baby, small child that we were mom and dad. And, you know, just to try to keep the confusion at bay. I think that's what we were most worried about. And so what would you tell a family who is considering adoption, but they're scared or unsure? It is worth it. You know, when you see, you know, the eye on the prize and that our son, it was the best thing that ever happened to us. Um, it was worth it, but that was the most emotional thing. You know, you're at mercy of somebody else, you know, you want, you know, in your heart that you're going to take care of this baby and love him forever, you know, but to, for somebody else to feel that way, that they trust you with him, you know, or with their child, it's a lot, you know, I, it's a lot to do it because there's so many emotions. Um, after we brought him back, so with the interstate compact laws, we had to stay in Iowa for two weeks for those laws and regulations to take place. Um, luckily, my husband, one after of his, Lance took a job, after <laughs> he took a job, one of his friends, um, he was single. He lived in Iowa. He allowed us. He traveled for work. He allowed us to stay at his home, bring this new baby there and us with all of our family coming to see, we could not cross the state line. Um, really good friends of ours were having, um, getting married right across the river from us in Illinois. Right after we got Lane, I wanted to take my baby and show everybody cause everybody knew, you know, yeah, and I couldn't, Lance was a groomsman. Um, he had to go by himself. I could not. Um, if you break an interstate compact law, let's say you get pulled over, you get an offender bend or something happens and they know you break that, they will take the baby. So there was no ifs, ands, yeah. or buts about crossing the state line with him. You know, it was like that. Our lawyer told us you cannot, you know, you cannot cross that so, line. so, like, grateful for those friends who yes. were all pieces of the puzzle to help. Yes, and so excited. And I just want to go show, like, here's the baby, you know, and, and I couldn't. And so my mom was like, don't you dare. <laughs> like, I promise, I, you know. And I was like, because, you know, you're so excited and and stuff. And so luckily it's not that far. It was really crossing the river. It was 20, 30 minutes for our family, you know, to come and stuff to see him. And as we were there, we couldn't even bring him home. There was, you know, another piece that was hard, even though our friend was very thankful to let us stay there. That wasn't, it wasn't a nursery. It wasn't bringing him home. It's not your house. It wasn't our house. It was, you know, we were there for two weeks before we got the okay. Um, but the worst was, um, 72 hours. Each state has a law 72 hours after you take the baby into your custody, into your home. Um, the birth mother has 72 hours to change your mind. That was the worst 72 hours of my life. Well, you're just probably panicked the whole you're time. You're panicked because at any time she could decide, no, I want him back. I want, you know, and you know, she's having troubles with that too, you know, and that struggle. And it was as soon as that was okay, when the courts, you know, at the 72 hours, her rights were 100% revoked. That was when we could breathe a little bit, you know, we could breathe. All right. So I want to thank you for coming to share your story for one. But before you go, I have five quick questions. It's called our fast five. 
um, and I ask you five random this or that questions, um, and they're kind of essential to getting to know the real Danielle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, sweet tea or soda? Oh, soda, because I don't like sweet tea. I'm from the North. We don't put sugar in our tea. <laughs> Do you call it soda or pop? Oh, pop. Yeah, Up North, so we call it pop. But I've been here long enough that I'll call it soda. <laughs> okay, so now that you are a true Floridian, beach or the theme parks? Uh, the beach, for sure. <laughs> I was just there yesterday on my day off. <laughs> Without a kid. Without a kid. <laughs> um, homebody or travel? Travel. We're got, we love to go. Um, we, you know, said that about Lane too, cause he was, he's been a lot of places. We've, he's flown a That's lot. That's what's kind of killing me about the whole pandemic thing is like, I'm ready Travel. to like, yes, we like to go, be able to go. We're lucky. We live in Florida and that the weather's great that we can travel within our own state too. We love it. Yeah. Um, breakfast foods or dinner foods? Dinner. <laughs> dinner for sure. <laughs> dinner out. And <laughs> um, uh, Spice Girls or Pumpkin Spice? Ooh, that's a hard... Oh, I love Spice Girls, of course, <laughs> because I am a 90s child, but Pumpkin Spice, as soon as it hits Starbucks, I'm there. I was gonna say, you're a Starbucks girl. I am a Starbucks girl. <laughs> Every day, I'll be headed there on the way to the salon as soon as I leave here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. And I know that this is going to help so many people by sharing your I hope so. Story. I mean, it's, I, it, it's worth it. He's the best. He's, he really is. He is a ball of fire. He, <laughs> he, he definitely gives me a run for my money, but he is worth every penny and every tear. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much, and we'll see you later. Thank you. Bye.